0: Welcome everyone, thank you for coming out, those of you here today and those who are tuning in via the live stream. Tonight we're working with the outflowing energies of the Pisces new moon, an interlude concerned with planting of seeds and that we subjectively touched during the higher interlude period of the previous full moon. The subjective forces at play at this time within the annual cycle bring about a deep richness within the inner life, the collective unconscious of which Pisces is so intimately related. It's a richness that draws not only upon fine energy of the previous full but also of the entire preceding annual cycle. For Pisces, Pisces fine of as, 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 as such. such this is a, a, time a time in the Indian speaking, so but it's also a time, a time of initiation for the new birth that occurs, that occurs each year in Aries.
1: And so, just as in
0: the birth of a child, the last months of the pregnancy are full of tremendous subjective activity. So, we'll turn the richness of this time to a consideration of those members of the human family who are likewise sensitive and impressionable, the world's most precious resource, our children, and we will focus specifically tonight on the young child and how to better meet their needs at this difficult transition within the life of our planet, wherein their needs are too often overlooked in the immediacy of the never-ending crises with which our planet is being confronted. So as we do at the beginning of each meeting, let's come together in a moment of silence to link up with the group soul and the soul of our humanity. And before we sound our mantra, we're going to do a brief visualization. We'll withdraw our consciousness to the soul. And we'll carry our thoughts to the ruling planet of Pisces, the planet Pluto. will ponder on its relationship with death, death to the form nature, death of desire, death of the life cycle of repeated physical incarnations, and will view death joyously as a scientific process of detachment leading up to the time under the law of evolution and karma when we can consciously withdraw the life and consciousness from the imprisoning form. So let's ponder that. Deeper manifestations and understandings of death. So let's visualize a tomb or cave in the mountainside. It's open to the air and unsealed. But inside the tomb or cave, far distance, let's visualize a point of brilliant light gradually see that point of light become a sun, slowly blazing and approaching from the cave, moving ever nearer to the mouth of the tomb. until that sun becomes to completely obliterate the opening and only the sun is seen. Visualize the group as standing within that sun and discovering as well the sun within ourselves. And from that point of realization, emit and send forth light to light the world. And we'll close with the mantram. We know, O Lord of Light and love, about the need. Touch our hearts anew with love, that we too may love and give. So just share a few thoughts on the subject of our meeting tonight, and then we'll have a group meditation followed by group sharing. Astrology, we know, teaches us the importance of the first breath of life, but the importance of good beginnings doesn't end there, and nor does it begin there the importance begins at conception and continues throughout the first formative years, setting the tone for the entire unfolding life. During this initial period, the child is completely absorbent of all the conditions within the surrounding atmosphere. This sensitivity was part of a deep understanding that was brought forward by one of the great advocates for children, Maria Montessori, whose book, The Exorbitant Mind, proved such a turning point in recognizing the importance of giving children a proper start in life. She began her work by working with poor and disabled children in Italy's slums and proved to the world the powerful influence of a stimulating and loving environment and what a difference it could make in the life of a child. For us today to implement (coughs) such a shift would require certain redirections of our societal values. Some countries have taken such measures and within them there's a clear and solid commitment to children, all children. In those countries, parents and children and childcare workers are highly valued teachers and caregivers are given a professional education and they're paid accordingly. Living in time when more and more parents have to and want to work, it behooves us as a society to take those steps so that all children can be given environments that are conducive to growth. Research has shown that unrelenting stress at a young age, causes long-lasting brain damage. The worse the damage, the harder it is for children to pay attention as they grow, the harder for them to absorb new information, and also the harder it is for them to trust adults, all skills that are so critical for a happy and successful life. <coughs> to ensure these Essentials, children need to form healthy relationships with adults early on. Exposure to language through stories, songs, and conservation conversations set the stage for uh, academic achievement. Playing outside to master gross motor skills, creating art to master fine motor skills, pretending to be a doctor, chief, or a firefighter, to learn teamwork. All these are ways in which are critical for a child to be successful in school and adult life. But the 2020 Oxfam reports that today's children face an uncertain future. They face existential threats as a result of economic imbalances, conflict, migration, climate crisis, and predatory practices. Despite the fact that five years have passed since the world's agreement on the sustainable development goals, few countries have recorded much progress towards achieving them, according to this Oxfam report that cites 40 child health experts from around the world. So how do we realistically take steps To ameliorate this situation, we know that the resources are available. They're simply not being directed into channels that would rectify the situation. In the United States, for example, cities spend annually 100 billion on policing and some 80 billion more on incarceration. The annual defense budget for the United States. 2020 is $934 billion. Contrast these figures with the approximate annual public spending in the U.S. on early childhood education at $66 billion. It's important there for us to turn our group gaze at this new moon time in the direction of the child building a thought form that will ensure the most caring environment in which to nurture these incoming souls. And I'd just like to read four of the most important points that the Tibetan thought we should provide for all lives coming into our planet. I'll simply read them, and then maybe we can just pause after each one to let them sink in. Number one, the most important, is an atmosphere of love wherein fear is cast out and the child realizes he has no cause for timidity, shyness, or caution. It's an atmosphere in which he receives courteous treatment at the hands of others and is respected and expected to render equally courteous treatment in return. This is not an emotional love, a sentimental love, but it's a love based upon a realization of the potentialities of the child as an individual and on a true sense of responsibility, freedom from prejudice, racial antagonisms, and above anything else, upon compassionate tenderness. This compassionate tenderness is founded on the recognition of the difficulty of living, upon sensitivity to the child's normally affectionate response, and upon a knowledge that love always draws forth what is best in the child and man. The second important atmosphere is that of patience wherein the child can become normally and naturally a seeker after the light of knowledge. He's sure of always meeting with a quick response to inquiry and carefully applied to all questions. And there's never any the sense of a hurry. He goes on to that say that most children's
2: nature have by of rush rationally hurry as those to whom they are forces associated there's no time to instruct
0: them and to apply to their small and most necessary inquiries. And the time factor, therefore, becomes a menace to right development and leads eventually to a life of evasions and of wrong perspectives. Their standard of values becomes distorted by watching those with whom they live, and much of it is brought to their attention by the impatience which is displayed towards them. This impatience on the part of those whom they are so pathetically dependent sows in them the seeds of irritation, and more lives are ruined by irritation than can be counted. The third necessary atmosphere is one of ordered activity, wherein the child can learn the first rudiments of responsibility. He says the children who are coming into incarnation at this time and who can profit by the new type of education are necessarily on the very verge of soul consciousness. One of the first indications of such soul contact is a rapidly developing sense of responsibility. This should be carefully borne in mind for the shouldering of small duties and the sharing of responsibility is a potent factor in determining a child's character and future vocation. The final atmosphere needed is one of understanding, wherein a child is always sure that the reasons and motives for his actions will be recognized, and that those who are his older associates will always comprehend the nature of his motivating impulses even though they may not always approve of what he has done or of his activities. For many of the things which the average child does are frequently prompted by a thwarted inquiring spirit, by the desire to retaliate for some injustice based on the adult's lack of understanding his motivation, and also by an inability to employ time rightly for the directional will is often at this stage entirely quiescent and will not become active until the mind is beginning to function, and by the urge to attract attention, a necessary urge in the development of self-consciousness. So these most precious precious resources are children. There's something that must be looked for developed and found and mined and polished. Then they will be able to shine and contribute beauty and knowledge to the world. These children are in need of this mining and polishing and shining. Particularly is this the case for the majority who lack the resources And as a consequence, from the very start, are less likely to be afforded conditions conducive to growth. So now let's work together with our meditation. Strengthening the hands of the group of world servers. Let's take a moment to link with each other and with all other individuals and groups throughout the world who are linking up at this new moon opportunity. I am one with my group brothers and all that I have is theirs. May the love which is in my soul pour forth to them. May the strength which is in me lift and aid them. May the thoughts which my soul creates. Reach and encourage them. Alignment. We recognize our place as a group within the heart center of the group of world servers. Mentally extend a line of lighted energy towards the spiritual hierarchy, the planetary heart center, to the Christ, the heart of love within the hierarchy. And then we extend that alignment to Shambhala, where the will of God is known. her interlude, hold the mind focused for a few moments on the planetary role of the new group of world servers, mediating between hierarchy and humanity, responding to hierarchical impression, and meditating the plan into existence. Reflect on the sea thought. Through the impression and expression of certain great ideas, humanity must be brought to the understanding of the fundamental ideals which will govern the new age. This is the major task of the new group of world servers. Precipitation, visualize the precipitation of the wheel to good, essential love throughout the planet from Shambhala, the hierarchy, the world teacher, the new group of world servers and through all men and women of goodwill everywhere in the world. And finally, into the hearts and minds of the whole human family. lower interlude. Consider the many ways in which the power of the one life and the love of the one soul are working out in the world through members of the new group of world servers, building the thought form of solution to world problems. Distribution, as the great invocation is sounded in the adapted wording let's visualize the irradiation of human consciousness with light and love and power from the point of light within the mind of God Let light stream forth into human minds. Let light descend on earth. From the point of love within the heart of God, let love stream forth into human hearts. May the coming one which we call the human race, let the plan of love and light work out and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. Oh Thank you, everyone. So now we come to the third part of our meeting, where we have a few questions to guide us if we need them, um, to focus our discussion around this theme of meeting the needs of the world's most precious precious resource: its children. Does anyone have any thoughts they'd like to share? Do we have? Oh, yeah. Thank you. Well, Maybe we could start, if anyone has any thoughts about the second question, how can we aid parents, many of whom are struggling on many levels, to better meet the daily needs of their children.
3: Responding to all the multiple questions of uh, children, and uh, we all probably know how it can be frustrating sometimes to answer this non-stop questions flow. And if to think why why is this sometimes so difficult to answer all the questions because many of those questions uh, stay unanswered for ourselves. In order to answer those,
2: <laughs>
3: in order to answer those questions, we really need to <laughs> go deep into the essence of those questions, like the, m- the meaning, and uh, it requires a lot of effort. Not, not maybe not the right word, the effort. A lot of you kind know, of willingness to uh, get to the essence and communicate it directly to uh, a kid in the most simple way. Because if you're not r- responsible within like 20 seconds, there will be another question and then another one. Yeah. But uh, what I'm saying is probably to answer this question in this list is that what the parents or any grown ups can do in terms of cultivating that patience it's to cult- to cultivate own self as a like in integrated personality with filling those gaps in our own education and healing those own traumas that we received uh, be not loved enough uh, as, a, as a kid or whatever those are but just to actually to do well own homework, integrating ourselves, and if we become integrated personalities, then we really will become adults, not just by the physical age, but by our mature maturity level. So I think the main problem is that many so-called adults never grown up. They never mature. They never. They never become true adults. They become kids, they stay kids in the adult, uh, adult
0: parties. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're having a fire drill, a fake fire drill here. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, I think, I mean, the point that you're hitting on that second uh, an atmosphere of patience is the one that really struck me as being so lacking in our world, not just in our relationship to children, but fundamentally that's where it's most important, to cultivate that patience. And today I think the cultivators of patience have been given over to technology. So many times kids are just... Somebody was telling me... Oh yeah, someone I was talking to yesterday, they were telling me that they were watching a little girl. She was three. Very normal, lively little girl. But as soon as a cartoon show came on the television, she became, its this, it was my mother actually, she said she became as if the girl was possessed by the television. She just like, <laughs> nothing else existed and she was just riveted on the television and the same could be said of all the other um, technology today, that's what's um, you know they're always there. you know they're always there to give some kind of information, but it's not cultivating what we're being asked to cultivate in our children and so I do think that a certain amount of education is needed for parents to just bring that to their attention you know, because so many parents don't seem to understand the impact that technology is having on their children, their grandchildren, and society. And so the parents don't even have to act impatient because they've just given it over to the great babysitter, <laughs> you know. And I think in the future, future generations will look back and just will have recognized how remiss we've all been in handing over childcare to technology, you know.
4: Thank you. Um, This is an example of uh, synchronicity. Um, I was reading an essay yesterday, uh, editing it for somebody, and the essay was on something called critical pedagogy, pedagogy. And the whole point of the writer was that A critical or integral part of education should be not only the the content of what is transmitted from teacher to student, but consciousness on the parents, teachers, and children's part of why they're learning that particular information. Mm -hmm. And that, of course, leads to a consideration of to political and sociological considerations uh, having to do with the content of what we're teaching our children, Mm -hmm. which is, bottom line, very much focused on competing for the hierarchy of Mm -hmm. corporate capitalism. Mm -hmm.
2: Mm -hmm. I just wanted to say, I think The problem of education, I think, is so important because it's really, as we're moving into a new age, it's one of the things that's going to be most key in kind of halting or stopping the perpetuation of the past because I feel like the education of today, just like you were saying, it's based upon the values that are still existent today. Some of those values like competition, you know, us versus them paradigm. It's still based on that because that's what the people who are older today were raised on, who they were raised on, they were raised on, et cetera, et cetera. But at the point where you can change that in the education system, then it will kind of cause it. I think that's what will really begin the shift. But I think really the act of causing that shift, of of shifting it of shifting the the focus on, you know, educating a more sort of enlightened and holistic child will actually be it's not just the fact that the children will will, will will raise up humanity, but actually the act of reorienting the children will cause humanity to really raise itself up, kind of, in a way.
0: I don't even think it's necessarily reorienting. It's just allowing them to flower as to who they naturally are, because yeah. I think children are naturally, especially these incoming children who are more Aquarian in nature, they are more group mm-hmm. conscious, like you said. It's just that... They go into a school setting, and then they're taught or pick up different rules. How can we cultivate, allow them to just be who they n- innately are, you know? Because competition, I think, is a learned response. And I think, naturally, they're more mm-hmm. group con- conscious.
2: That might reorient the system, not the Yeah, the yeah. Children, yeah I agree, totally.
4: One more thought. Um, <laughs> I was reading yet another essay uh, which made the point that, you know, bottom line essentially, you know, you're, we're dealing with um, an educational system where the children are taking medication for att- attention deficit disorder so that they can be more competitive and end up in Harvard mm-hmm. and further you know further major uh, issue is I guess what you'd call profiling that um, you know the quote brighter children are singled out and, gi- and given more attention and guidance and the, you know other children you know, perhaps in the inner city uh, or people of color are likewise okay. profile and delegated okay. to the, to the, to the of the murder of the And, burger and, burger and all these all things need to be, to really and, and at the very, 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 very least, uh, made an object of discussion and exploration.
1: Yeah.
5: Similarly on that theme is the idea that why why would a nation spend nine hundred ninety billion dollars on defense? Mm-hmm. What is the nation afraid of? The world, and nowhere in the world do you see that amount of money being spent on defense. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. 2018, the defense budget was $664 billion. By 2020, it has gone up almost $300 billion. Yeah. Nobody complains about it.
0: Yeah.
5: It's almost untouchable. Yeah. At the same time, we know what to do mm-hmm. to solve the problem. Mm-hmm. It's not an issue of Uncertainty, bewilderment, lost. We are not lost. Research upon research upon research Mm -hmm. are sitting there piled up. Other nations have experimented Mm -hmm. and are producing results. The amazing thing about the United States of America is that it's a nation that is so uniquely positioned to actually achieve some of the superlative results is so easily available to this particular nation in the world. It is as if the United States has been given the opportunity to develop the benchmarks for the new person and it being wasted. One of the main issue is the lack of vested interest. There's no vested interest. In New York City,
0: you have extraordinary schools for children. You're a teacher, right? You know from the inside.
5: You go to a pre-K that charges $60,000 a year. How many people can afford that kind of pre-K? $60,000 a year. You walk into the classroom, and it's Montessori, and all the new development modalities are being practiced there. Then you go to another school in the same city, where the teacher has to use her own money yeah. just to buy basic needs. Somehow, someway, these two sets of environment are supposed to produce the responsible adult. It is not hidden. This is not something you have to search to find. It's in plain sight. So where is the vested interest? If Sweden can have a pre-K, universal pre-K, where the teacher-student ratio is one to six, one teacher to six children. It also exists in New York City. Mm. But you can't afford $72,000 a year. Solely for certain people. Yeah. You see, they said, in vain you build a nation, if first you don't build the man. Yeah. You can apply it to the child. In vain you, you build the man, if first you have not built a child. So train the child in the way he or she should go, and he or she will not depart from it. When they look at the scores of the ninth graders, according to the scores, they decide how many jails to build. Somehow these kids are supposed to trust the system. No. They have intuitive appreciation of the system. They understand in deeply on the non-verbal scale, level. So they don't trust the system. And we even have the courage to privatize jails. So jails for profit. Mm -hmm. How could individuals profit from jails? If jails are for profit, then you must generate those who will be in the jails. Otherwise, you won't make profit. So the, ju- so the judicial system becomes part of it. Make the judgment, put them in jails, and we shall make the profit and pay you back. So, I think we're only going to learn from crisis, which is gradually building up, there is a research which shows that if an African-American kid between third grade and fifth grade gets one African-American teacher, he saw a chance of graduating from high school is huge. Why is that difficult to do? You see, so as you touch the children, you touch every aspect of human life. Or it's just like the sea. We dump all the garbage, and they come to the shore. Then we act like we don't know where they came from. The children are an excellent gauge of what we are doing wrong or right. You know, so I think one of the most one of the most amazing things happening right now is what I will call the camera effect. This is not an original idea. The Tibetan made an analogy to a, to, to a camera. And the idea is that when you're going to take a good picture, you have to focus. Otherwise, you get a blurred picture. And what is happening is that somehow, there are so many groups that are focusing all the issues carefully. One aspect is data. Data is so abundant that you simply it gets to a point where you cannot ignore the fact. I mean, the fact that defense spending went up over $200 billion is a fact in two years. $100 billion alone can transform mm-hmm. children education and this is for America mm-hmm. but you mentioned that and you see how people will be fighting but say that oh let's make the defense spending trillion dollars and people will clap they applaud you you couldn't ask the question who is afraid and what is being what are we being afraid of meanwhile the children have no time to wait one of the speeches at the United Nations, one, I've forgotten the person who said it, but he said, the name of the children is now. They are growing each and every moment. They are absorbing everything. They are so sharp, and they pick everything happening. Adults, they are adults. For most of the children in the inner cities, the school is the safest place for them. It's the safest place for them. Once they leave, they are afraid. Gangs, their friends, they have to watch them. And all this is known. Police department in New York City comes to the school to train teachers how to identify gangs. Some teachers walked away from them, saying, this is nonsense. Why has the police department come to train us how to deal with gangs? When are we going to have the time to teach them? When we are teaching, it is not only giving content to material so they know, but at the end of true teaching, you are also forming a character. And how to do it, the means to do it, are all known and established. The will to do it is the challenge. I think by the camera effect focusing the issue so clearly and the accelerating effect of the great invocation, light is truly streaming into the minds of human units and pretty soon it will become crystal clear and we shall find our way
4: this is a very moving um, summary of uh, some of the major issues facing our planet our nation our children ourselves And um, I agree with you, I have to agree with you, that the camera effect is responsible for the color of Kim Kardashian's dress being of more interest to people than the $200 billion increase in defense spending. It makes me quite sad.
1: I think a lot of these things get back to what uh if I understood your your analogy of the camera thing it's basically what people put their their focus on and what they choose to see or not see <coughs> I just make a a few points of various things people said one was about a uh, competition not being good and oh competition not being a good thing and I don't think, you know, e- even if you accept that premise of competition being at sort of this one level and then group cooperation being at a higher level, I don't think we're at the level where competition is, is in the rearview mirror and needs to be left behind. I think there's a still lower level behind competition that's, you know, sort of the, that trinity of mass consciousness, then individual consciousness, and then group consciousness. But... We haven't mastered competition, right competition, to the extent that it's now this thing to be tossed aside on, on uh, you know, the side of the road. And I think it's important to not fall into, um, I don't know, totalitarianism or monopolistic things that seem, well, there's no competition here. People just, you know, do what they're supposed to or, you know, rent-seeking kind of stuff where... Businesses don't wind up trying to make a better thing or provide a better product for somebody. They just find a way to either use the government or or subversively create conditions where people have to buy their thing or there's not competition in that. So I, I don't think right competition has been fully realized and thus can't be sort of put away. So that's, that's a note I would make on competition. And I do think that... And research has borne this out that boys are at somewhat of a, a disadvantage now as the educational system has become increasingly feminized and things like competition and rambunctiousness are now seen as problems and we have to give kids ADHD medication and this and that. And I I could be wrong on some of the statistics, but I think about seven years after, this is maybe in the 70s or 60s, they started having these women's programs in colleges, uh, women's the weight of rem- weight, sorry, the rate of women in colleges surpassed men about seven or nine years after that, and I don't think it's changed since then. But the emphasis is still on we need to help women, and yeah, there's this term out there, the boy crisis. If anybody's interested, I encourage you to go, Google that and look into what that's about. But uh, yeah, I think there needs to be some some balance in the education and an understanding that men and women are rather boys and girls. Learn differently, adjust the things differently, and there's not just this one-size-fits-all thing for all children.
4: Um, I'd like to respond to your comments by saying, um, I don't think we're talking about discarding competition. I think we're trying to imagine a, a world where people are competing to who's kinder, who's more aware poverty and illness who cares more about other people who talks less and cares less narcissistically about themselves and I, fr- I mean frankly I d- I, d- I didn't hear one positive su- suggestion fr- on from you
1: um, a positive suggestion I'd say would be vouchers I think that can bring a lot of uh, ability to choose paradigms of education which can help uh, students in schools and I think the current structure doesn't allow for for that to happen. A lot of money was put into the Newark school system. Mark Zuckerberg gave it to uh, Cory Booker and there was very little results that came out of that unfortunately. So it's not just a matter of throwing money into something. Yeah, I just I just want to
2: say two things. I think that I think you're right to, to that last statement that sometimes I think there is more resources needed in our education system, but that's not, it's sometimes you'll point that to that as the as problem, problem, or as the root really 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 of, of, of of the problems, and it's really, really, actually, I don't think could really throw a lot of the education, education system, system, not, not for enough to improve, also then also and about, and about competition, I think, there's a way you could have competition where it's still, you still get that benefit of like, okay, I'm trying to be better, that kind of, propels us towards achievement, you know? That's what competition is good for. It propels us to be better and towards some sort of achievement, whatever that is, you know, good or bad. But you can still have that, but at the same time, there can still be goodwill there at the same time. So it's like competition, but with goodwill. They're not really mutually exclusive, I don't think.
5: When we look at competition, And, like you said, we have to reflect and go deeper into the words or the questions or the statement. What is this competition about? You see, the child, we all agree, has all the potentialities within him or her. if we are able to build a nurturing environment, the positive qualities will flower forth. When we talk of competition, it is a very superficial way of trying to actually talk about excellence. Because If the child, right from the beginning, had had an environment in which (laughs) the value of excellence was cultivated, evoked from the child, the child would want to do that which is excellent, naturally. The child wouldn't have to compete with, Mary doesn't have to compete with John in order for her to excel, but Mary will know that only excellence is good enough because that's the way she was cultured, you know, nurtured. You know, gradually said, No, we, we, we when we do the best, it's good for all, so that innate capacity for excellence will guide the child without need for competition when there is tremendous appreciation of the child the child will open up for you to actually encourage him or her and as to do that we are awakening The value, appreciation for excellence is already in the child. All we have to do is to awaken it, and then it will become a demonstrating ability in the child. So there'll be no need to fight one one other person in order to do the best. The child will always be doing the best because the environment has awakened that which is in him or her already. So competition is. A very, you know, it's like a blind way of doing that when the child is already grown up, and that which is in the child has not been awakened. You know, so you have this artificial means. I pay you more. I'll give you more if you do this. If you if we, if you can do ten times better, do you know I'll I'll give you these prizes. But all the time, that. Capacity for excellence is there, sleeping. So maybe one day we shall realize that we can do away with competition when we have awakened in the child the sense of excellence.
0: Thank you. We have time for one more share. Is anybody would you like to share anything? No. Okay. So closing statement.
3: Good. <laughs> um, I'll try to be brief. Um, I think it's very interesting and important topic of the competition in the school and I personally was grown in a different system uh, or educational system so for me the concept of competition in education s- uh, being f- when I first faced it was very first of all bizarre. What do you mean like I don't know my uh, grade for my uh, essay right away what do you mean it have to be graded on the curve comparing to others it's in a way, kind of like twisted attitude. Like there should be very objective criteria of grading the, the, my work. Where I grew uh, in the Soviet Union, the Sis educational system was based on that. Like we didn't compete with each other; we competed for good uh, grades, and this the level of education was pretty good. And I think it's a very. Uh, this subversive ideological intrusion of introducing competition in education, because this this attitude of that you have to compete for everything, being infiltrated in education from the very early age, that it's become almost like subconscious. That yeah, it's a natural instinct. No, it is not natural. Like in like in a group environment, it's not natural. It's natural in in the wilderness, yes, but not in a like human environment. So I think it's uh, it's a good topic to reflect further and to meditate.
0: Thank you. Yeah, and just a reminder um, for everybody: why we hold these meetings, why we focus on problems of humanity. It's important to remember that it was the one time supposedly that the world teacher took note of the arcane school when it introduced the study of the problems of humanity because for spiritual seekers so often the alignment is vertical, purely vertical and this really balances it out by helping us to turn our gaze, our collective thinking to the horizontal line and uh, by creating thought forms of solution to these problems we actually are seeding the mental atmosphere of the planet. So just to remind us of the importance of what we do. So just to say that our next meeting is on Sunday, March eighth, the full moon of Pisces, at 3 PM here in our offices. So let's just close with a moment of silence. Thank you.